I've named the sermon Interviews with God a Week of Devotion, and I just want to say up front, be careful what you call your sermons. Because <laughs> it's not actually seriously. So as I've been preparing this week, God has been working me more on them. Amazing ways for the first time ever since I've been preparing sermons. Normally happens when I've been worshiping or when I've trained for worship. So this is awesome. And I'm just going to start off. I'm going to start off with a poem Yay! by Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was one of the most um, prolific uh, publishers of all time. Um, his work was published most of any, any single author in, in the world ever. Isn't that amazing? And he had a heart to share what God was doing in his life. He had a heart to transfer what the Lord was doing in his life and in his heart uh, to the next generation. So he started writing. He started uh, writing what God was doing in his heart, writing uh, theology, writing his revelations on grace and on the presence of God. And if you just read his works, you, you see that Charles Spurgeon had a, an incredible relationship with the Lord, very real, uh, with lots and lots of encouragement before the Holy Ghost is here. So don't just okay. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Is that okay? We're going to do a few things differently this morning. But often Andrew and Carol are your pastors, so I'm sure that happens a lot. They do lots of things differently. It's called The Holy Ghost is Here. <coughs> the Holy Ghost is Here, where saints declare a dream. As Jesus' parting gift is here, each kingdom continues. From far away is he by prayer brought nigh, as here in present majesty, as in his courts on high, on high. He dwells within our soul, an ever welcome guest. He reigns with absolute control as monarch in the blessed. Our bodies are enshrined. Wedding Lord, all hail thy comforter divine. Be evermore adored, evermore adored. Obedient to thy will, we wait to feel thy power. Lord of life, our hopes fulfilled, and bless this hallowed hour. I'm just going to pray with us in prayerful today, preparing for today. I just felt that God wanted to release certain things over this congregation. And I'm just going to say the word, and then Jonathan is going to play it into the atmosphere, into the environment. And that's the power of sound, and that's the power of music, and that's what God does as He comes and He ministers. Um, in song and ministers in music. And we're going to start out with that this morning. And then I'll go and preach. So one of the things I felt like he wanted, and I think somebody prophesied it this morning, that he wanted to restore hope. And he wanted to just breathe new hope into hearts this morning. So I want to ask that if this is the attitude that you open up your hearts and you receive new hope. New hope this morning.
Father, we want to release this place to you with open hands. Just great calling today, so that God wants to, to wake us up, wake you up to the destiny that He has called you to. And He's going to just do new things in your heart this morning. He's going to wake you up in ways that you've never seen possible or you've never imagined, but you've longed for. And God's going to wake, awake, awake your soul this morning. Because you're His children and you're His son and you're His daughter. And He's going to wake you up, wake up your soul, wake up. To the things of God, to who God is. He's amazing. We receive that this morning, Father. One thing I felt God wanted to do specifically before I start is just to bring freedom from depression. Just wanted to free people up. You see people and you're one way and then you're alone. There's just this wave of just kind of depression. And I can relate. I've been through it. I know what it feels like. And I feel God wants to come this morning and just break you free. Break free. Break free. He wants to break those bondages of depression over your life. That you will walk free. That you will walk free the things of God and, and walk free to be who you're called to be. I'm just going to pray just for a minute or two and we're just going to yeah, receive that. Receive that freedom in God. Amen. Pastor Carol, I just, um, you know, Miranda, what would stir up in me 
is a passion for transformation, for supernatural, for souls. The hunger for God increases because it's what she carries and it's what she releases. And I think for Pastor Andrew, I just uh, want to be more like Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious because it's what he carries. It's just humility before the Lord and just the, the fear of the Spirit and, and just kind of uh, patience and love and kindness and a challenge to, to walk in what he carries, it's what he lives, it's who he is. Um, and I just want to say thank you for imparting who you are in my life over the last seven years. You've made an amazing impact in, in my life and my family. I want to ask you this morning, what do you carry? What do you carry? God wants to give you what he wants to give you, because he wants you to carry a release that is divine. Um, this is my amazing family coming up. Two. We were in London there, and uh, we always look for ways, crazy ways to take photographs. But when I say we, I mean we. My family just goes, okay, let's go, let's just get the moment done with. <laughs> so whenever we're traveling, I always look for mirrors, you know, whether that was a window. So we get all four of us in the picture um, in different ways, so we don't have to take selfies all the time. It's just a way of taking a selfie. And that's our culture. Uh, it's up on our kitchen wall. Um, what we do and who we are. It's the Riku family culture. Um, and we love adventure. We love to travel. Uh, Dorian and I love adventure. We love doing things for the first time. Does anybody know Pastor John and Rona Miller? Yeah, they're from our pastors in Cape Town. They're in their 60s now, and they are currently cycling through America, raising funds for Tendamisha Beacher in, um, in Cape Town. And they, 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 they have loads of different crazy amazing things. They have a saying called, when last have you done something for the first time? And when Dorian and I heard that, we were like, this is part of the weekly culture. When last have you done something for the first time? Um, and we do that everywhere. Wherever we go, if I've not done it, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. I have to do it. I have to do it. I have to do it. So um, I think I'm not so much like that. But we go, what do the weeklies do? Uh, when my daughter learned to ski, she was four years old. Um, there was pain and gnashing of teeth. You can just leave that picture up, that's cool. Um, because she was four and she went into a very cold environment. Very, very cold. Minus 10, minus 12, minus 13. She had layers and layers and layers of clothing. I just had like 30 minutes just to get her dressed in the morning just to go skiing and get her excited about it. She was not excited about going skiing in the cold all day, but we would say, what do the Wrigley's do? And she would say, the Wrigley's ski! showing them our beautiful country, and uh, we stayed across the road from uh, Pilgrim's Rest, it's called Big Swing, um, and we were there just for one night, so I was, I was staring at it. Through my hotel window, it's called The Big Swing, Face Your Fear, just all the other things. So I was saying to Joan, we have to do this, guys. I mean, I just have to do it. We cannot leave here without doing The Big Swing. Um, I can't remember what the drop was many, many kilometers, okay? Um, and uh, so what you do is you pretty much, you go to the edge of the mountain uh, and you keep doing this until your toes are on the mountain and the rest of your foot is suspended off. You just don't look down. And you harness in, of course. And then what you do is basically you drop 
you keep going, and then you swing to the left, and you swing to the right, and you keep going until the until it stops. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, I'm sitting on the mountain with my toes like this. Uh, I was saying to Dorian, I don't want to do this anymore. He goes, like, we've paid the money, you're doing it. You know? <laughs> and I was like, we're we already paid the money, it was a lot of money. We are going to this place. Just let's go. One, two. I thought, oh, no, 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 I'm going to go now. I'm going to go now. So I thought that Cameron and Susie watching me. I couldn't back out either. Some pride was. Um, but anyway, I asked the guy, when I go back, what do I hold on to? Nothing, darling. You just drop, you know. It's like, you don't hold, but it's nothing to hold on to. So uh, we counted, ah, oh, I'm free too. And I did do it, and it was. Amazing. Uh, so through my screaming all the way down, um, the guy just said, let go. You know, let go. And, and as he said, let go, we did let go. We dropped and I heard God say, let go. Let go. We are so, you know, um, I had a, a prophetic word once which literally said to me, you're a very proper woman. Um, it was a few years ago. Now people know me. I don't think they're going to say the same thing. But, um, but he said, the Lord wants you to do Pure, not just proper, you know. And I was like, hmm? is he saying I'm not pure? What is the Lord saying? Um, but the Lord took me on a journey from going from proper to pure. And and as he said, let go, I just I just felt I just I let go in the natural, but I heard God say, let go of those things that hold you back from being intimate with me, from knowing me, from walking with me, from sure being a fool for me. Who cares? Who cares people what people think? We care so much what people think. I do too, I go through those moments, but that's what I felt God saying this morning, let go, let go of the things that hold us back from us being intimate with Him. We see God's desire to be intimate with His children expressed throughout Scripture, everywhere. In fact, when you start looking for it, you see it everywhere in the Bible. Um, I mean, I'd say 10 years ago, I just never saw this, never saw it, quite like God's in desire and his intent is to be with us, to live with us, he's inside of us, that, that we may know him and that he may know us. Leviticus 26 verse 12 says, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. In Exodus 9, you can click. Oh, sorry. Um, I forgot. Thank you for reminding me. This is what we're going to do before I get there. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, so I'm just going to scroll through some pictures of intimacy with God, and I want you to look at those pictures, and um, and um, and what do we even think when we say intimacy with God? What do we? What, 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 are, what is the picture in our mind? So just look at these pictures and reflect. So Leviticus 26 verse 12 says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. And when I was thinking of the word intimacy, um, and I'm sure you're going to be taught exactly what that means as you go along. I'm going to do it in a creative way today. Um, but um, I felt like the Lord say that he wants to 
to break open our mindsets on what it means to be intimate with Him. You know, sometimes we have a picture of, of the congregation in our minds, intimate with the Lord, just when we worship Him on a Sunday. But there's so many different aspects of being intimate with the Lord and enjoying Him in every different way. And um, when I was, I was with Kevin and Susie for a while, and Kevin, uh, was such a great way of enjoying me as a neighbor. Uh, I was sitting in the kitchen once and cooks all the time. Yeah, he's, he's an amazing cook. Um, and as he's cooking, he's, he's, he's enjoying Jesus uh, through the cooking, through eating chocolate, you know, through adventures of Jesus, through every different everyday life being intimate with the Lord. So Exodus 9 verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord God so that they may worship him. This is another example of God calling his people to him. Even in Egypt, they were, they were slaves 400 years. And when, when God commissioned um, Moses to speak to Pharaoh, it's so interesting to me that he says, let my people go so that... Um, they may worship him. And once they crossed the Red Sea, what happened? They crossed the Red Sea, and the Bible says that they got to the other side, and they immediately they broke out in song. Moses wrote a song, and they started worshiping him. And they started praising Jesus. And um, the song was, and I'm sure it was a new song because it was um, something like this. I can't remember how to make it. Give thanks to the Lord for his amazing, for his, his work is great, for his awesome rider thrown into the sea. So we know it's a new song because awesome rider had not been thrown into the sea, even just the day before. It was a new song that Moses continuous praise just started worshiping God. But next time, please. Awesome. Thank you. We'll be there for a while. Thanks, Diane. Uh, established a culture where we had God's presence in the midst of God's people, and God's people in the midst of God's presence. God needed to find somebody, a king, after four, who would have a heart after him, who would not just be intimate with him, who would not just spend time as a shepherd boy worshipping him, but who would be obedient to him. And David's commission was to establish a tabernacle called the Tabernacle of David, where God would be with his people and his people would be with God. And here we see just an example in the word of really an entire environment, an entire nation, the children of Israel, um, coming into a place of, of intimacy with the Lord for 33 years. Obviously, Old Testament intimacy. Um, but where God said, I'm going to take a shepherd boy, I'm going to take a musician, I'm going to take a singer, I'm going to take a priest, I'm going to take a songwriter, he was a king, he was a warrior, he was an adulterer, he was a murderer as well. Uh, but he was a worshiper, and God took this man and through him established a culture in the nation of Israel that would change them forever. So David stands up one day and he says, Okay, we need band members in the house. Who can play? Who can sing? We're going to be worshiping 33 years, people, non stop. Bianca, who's key? Okay, non stop, 33 years, non stop worship no. each and every day, every hour of every day, because we're going to declare the praises of God. We're going to remind the people who God is and what he's done and how awesome and how amazing he is. Um, and so, I mean, practically the way they did it um, was they obviously they trained these guys from birth. They made their own instruments. They, they 
instruments were part of who they were, and they played the instruments with the hand, with the yad, so that as they played, um, they would prophesy over the instruments, and it would change the atmosphere and the environment of the children of Israel uh, in that nation during that time. When they worshipped there for 33 years, there was no war. Um, Israel, you know, there's a lot of wars happening in the Bible. I mean, they were attacked all the time. Talk about our country and our circumstances. And they had physical attacks. We were speaking about it. I was speaking about it with Jonathan in the car and he was relating his scripture, you know, that I mean, when the worshippers were worshipping, people were dying on the other end. Like, literally, literally dying. The enemy was dying. I mean, what did that look like? What was the music like, do you think? I know what they're saying sometimes. Sometimes they, they, they weren't. They were saying the face of the Lord. It was love and Jesus forever. And the enemy was physically like, dying on the other end. They were seeing it. How can we picture that? We read these scriptures, but it's crazy uh, what happened. So, um, the tabernacle of David, why is it so important? Uh, for many reasons, and we're not going to go into all of that today, but we see 1 Chronicles 25, verse 1, that David and the captains, the leadership, they separated to the service of the house of the Lord, Asaph, Jeduthun, and Heman, that they should prophesy on their instruments. Uh, the sound of the instruments would carry such a prophetic authority that they were creating an environment interaction with God. And when we worship together corporately, um, when the musicians play, it's such a powerful tool for creating environments for Holy Spirit to come. It is a powerful tool as we come together and remind ourselves who God is, as we remind ourselves what God has done um, and what He's going to do in our lives. Um, it's not just the time when we come and sing songs on Sunday. It can be, but it's not what it's meant to be. You know, it's meant to be a time when we are declaring the greatness and prophesying that into this environment, prophesying into that environment, into the city of who our God is and how amazing He is, and, and, and what He's going to do in our hearts. And, and we call the people in, we, we, we sing what we see together, and He does something in our hearts. Holy Spirit comes. The Bible says that as we sing the Tehillah praises, which is a spontaneous song, and He comes and He manifests Himself in our presence. He comes and He lives. So my goal in my um, is to uh, see God manifest Himself in more, like in growing ways, because there's always one God. There's always a tension of being being content with where we are, and then on the other side, wanting more, being satisfied and wanting more, being satisfied. And for many years, I'm like, I can't. Now I just like, I, I don't have to understand it because I know that it's right, and the more I hunger for it the more God brings his presence. And it's not a striving, it's a yielding. Um, so I want to speak today on four narratives that I've come across in my first places with God. It's really sharing testimonies, um, and I'm going to use it through four narratives. The one is the journey. I've been married to my husband for 22 years, 22 amazing years now. Uh, the first time, thank you, thank you. He's so awesome. The first time I met him um, was at a for missions, I was at a prayer meeting. I never had a boyfriend before, I wasn't really interested, to be honest. I thought I'd be married when I was like 50 and I wanted to do life. But anyway, when I saw this dude, I thought, oh, he's, he has character traits that I'd like to marry and see in my husband one day. And what drew, drew me to him was his, his intentionality of how he lived life. There was a lot of intentionality in it. He's uh, the destiny on his life and, and his love for Jesus. So those are the three things that I just kind of struck me the first time I met him. But I didn't know Dorian. I mean, I knew an aspect of who he was. 22 years later, 
Um, I can say that I know my husband. Um, I don't know everything about him. I'm still getting still things to discover, which is amazing. But I know him. And I don't know him because um, I see him on a Sunday morning. Hey, dude. Even for 30 minutes, I hang out for him for two hours every Sunday. And then, if I'm lucky, I see him for two weeks at a music conference. And we have an awesome time together. Um, and then we go on holidays together in December. That's not, that's not uh, why I know him. I know my husband. Why do I know him? Because I've journeyed with him for 22 years. I know him every single day. I know that he likes chocolate. I know that he loves to cycle. He's a cycle crazy person. And he cycles 120 every day or five days a week. Uh, that's what he does because he loves to do it. Um, I know that he's one of the most amazing fathers because I've seen him every single day. You know, I know, I mean, I can go on and on and on about things, things about Dorian. Uh, I know what irritates him. I know what makes him mad. Um, I know that he's so kind. I know that he loves his mother and he will do anything for her. Um, I know that he's deeply grateful for the things that God has given in his life because everything that he's had to work through and um, just coming from where he came from. So I know Dorian because I hang out with him every single day through the good times to the bad times to really trying times when we lost our, um, uh, lost our second child, uh, had a miscarriage. Through the good times and the bad, I know who he is, right? And in my journey with God, that's, that's exactly what it is. But I want to know God every day. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 10, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. In his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Uh, I want to know him. And I want to know him every single day. And this is the journey of intimacy with God. Um, about six or seven years ago, uh, I come to a place in my Christian walk where I just knew there was more, you know. And uh, I saw there was more, just these three people and many other people. But I knew there was more, and I knew, I mean, I wasn't in sin or anything like that, but I just knew that God had more for me and there was more. So I went on a journey, on a quest of life, and I went to different places in the world. And, and it started at a worship school here in Joburg, where I met uh, Jonathan and David Tulsa, uh, and uh, Cameron and uh, Susie are at that stage, not Cameron. Um, and the Lord said, go to that worship school. And I started right from the beginning. I would go to every single sound check. I mean, pretty much whenever they were there, I would just be in the venue, and God would speak to me. And I knew they got something that I have not got, and I want. Because it's the more. It's the more of God. And it's coming out of a place of intimacy. And it's coming from the inside. There's something coming out of them that's, that is that's still God. And it's, I want it. I don't want to live a normal life when, when I can see. Um, it's, you know, it's not superficial. And I've traveled with these guys. I've seen them day in and day out. Through the good times, through the bad. Traveling through Jordan and Serbia. And it's, you know, Cameron was going, ha, ha, ha. The glorious life of a missionary. Not so, not so... Uh, glorious in them when you see what people do after their Sunday experience, you know, in some of these places. But um, God God took me to Bible uh, School of Worship and, and Moravian Falls. I spent some time there and um, specifically relating to the experience in Moravian Falls. I was just flat on my face before the Lord for days, really. They would come and say, like, mm, are you dead? Are you, do you need food? What do you need? You know, kind of, and I couldn't get off the floor because the Lord was just healing me. He was healing me. He was changing my heart. You know, he was oh, flooding me with his love and with his grace and with the very nature of who he was. You know, and um, he was showing me the more, the 
more than thankful, the more that we have to experience in God. Um, I was reading my Bible and it was just coming alive with revelation. And um, I went to many different places, hung out with different people, God was showing me different things. And I started to learn the secret of knowing Him, which is to remain hungry when we first um, came home and my family was like, What? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> you know, what has happened to you? Um, but with that came came um, a love for people, you know, a love for like a fascination with God that has not stopped since seven years later. You know, I go through a journey um, where I feel it's, it's a little dry and then I, then I know what to do to get it back. Um, and this, the second, uh, the second one is, is the secret place. The secret is in the secret place. I never understood this before. I always just wanted to be with people in church, with corporate environments, corporate anointings. But then I discovered the secret of the secret place of being with Jesus, of being in a place where He um, shows me who He is and He shows me who I am. And that gives me the freedom to be who He's made me to be. We're all different, we're all unique. Some people are more different than other people, and it's okay. You know what I'm saying? It's actually okay. Um, I, I, I wanted to put it up because it was so funny and I, I forgot, but it, it, we, we had a thing going around in our band and it was called the Starter Worship Leader. What was it called? The Starter Worship Leader pack. And it was, you know, like, like what a worship leader looks like. It was a, it was a guy, so you think of worship leaders, but you had like the skinny jeans with the ripped and the black t shirt and the hat. And kind of, it was the Starter pack for worship leaders, you know, it was a bit of a joke because everybody ends up looking like anybody else kind of thing. Um, and if you like somebody, you, you, you emulate somebody and you end up dressing like them. And you notice teenagers, they all want you to be unique, but actually they look exactly the same. <laughs> it's quite funny. I have a teenager, but they all so They all look exactly the same. Um, and there's reasons for it. I know. But, um, but the secret place. When we spend time in the secret place, our passion and our hunger, we keep going. Keep going. When we spend time in the secret place, our passion and our hunger for Jesus grows, and the things that is on His heart grows. And for me, this has been a, this is like a red flag for me. When I'm not spending enough time with God, a passion for the things in the Spirit doesn't grow. It does the opposite. It goes down. Suddenly, the natural becomes more real to me. I start caring about silly little things, really. And, and it's kind of a red flag for me when I, when, when the things of the Spirit, you know, uh, become less real. When I'm leading worship and I can't see, I can't see into the things of the Spirit. And for me, I know that it's not, um, I'm not spending enough time in the secret place. When I start uh, thinking about, you know, when there's anger in my heart, just certain things that come up in our lives, I, I know that I need to go back to the secret is the secret place because that's where the light goes from. That's where God will change our hearts and He will change us. You know, God wants to change us all the time. Um, and it's so worth it. It's so worth it, you know. Um, when we spend time in the secret place, it's not always comfortable. Have you read your Bible? Um, it is not always comfortable. Acts 2, verse 1, 2, and 3, and 4 says, keep going. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be 
tongues of fire and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The crowd was amazed and perplexed and thought that they had too, too much wine. Uh, hashtag not Hebrews 12, verse 28, verse 29 says, um, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Mm. Hashtag, not comfortable. What is a consuming fire? I mean, I've spent time in God's presence where it feels like I'm on fire. I mean, and you cannot control it. It's just like, because God is burning stuff out of my life. But I want to say is, it is, C.S. Lewis said, when you find, when you find that the natural world doesn't satisfy you anymore, like everything you do, it just doesn't satisfy you. There's only one explanation. And that is that we were born for another world. Right? Mm. And that is, that is the truth. There's the natural world, and then there's the spiritual world. And we see it throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible. Apostle Paul spoke last Sunday night, and I just love what he said. You know, he said that, I mean, we know that angels are real. You know that the Bible says don't worship angels. That doesn't mean we don't have to ever speak about angels. We go from one extreme to the next, to the next. Don't worship angels. We won't even acknowledge that they exist. But they do exist. And they are real. And they're ministering angels. And if almost every single night, I pray with my kids and I pray for them, ministering angels to come into the room. And I pray for Holy Spirit to come and just to give them dreams and inspiring dreams. Because I want to bring the supernatural world into your life, into their heart. They will know that if we're not just living in the natural. We're in the natural world, but we are part of a greater kingdom. Amen. Awesome. You can play the next uh, slide. Okay. When we spend time with God in the secret place, it gives us divine strategies, and I'm not going to go through it, but if you read your Bible, you see that people, especially the children of Israel, they, they were under attack a lot, and they would go to the Lord, Time of God and fire of the Lord, <coughs> fast and pray. And um, that means fast and coffee. Um, I love this church, by the way. You walk in, and everybody asks you if you want a cup of coffee. I mean, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but, but we see there are, there are divine strategies in the Bible. In fact, every time they fire of the Lord, they sought the Lord, they fasted and prayed, they went up to the mountain to pray, they, all the time. And God gave them divine strategies from the secret place, from a place of intimacy with God. They didn't just do things in the natural, actually. They had a, they had a divine, supernatural uh, environment, daily life with God. Uh, what I find interesting as well, when you read the Bible, um, being intimate with the Lord was as they went, as you go. You know, they were either fighting battles, or they were doing something, or they were building a tabernacle, or they were... They were seeking the Lord in their everyday life, and it became a natural outworking of what they were doing every single day. Sometimes we separate it. I've done it many times. Separate that, and then we get into, no, stress, I have to do this now. What am I going to do? You know, um, and then we don't connect the dots. But when you read the Bible, the dots are completely connected. Mm. Um, they may go away, but they come back and they use what the Lord has given them in that secret place, whether it be divine strategies, whether it be his peace, whether it be it's God tells them what to do. And you see how they can relate in our every single day life. As we are deeply intimate with God, as we embrace um, who he is, embrace the discomfort. The fourth the third narrative is the mystery. The mystery, embrace the mystery. 
says, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. We were in church one Sunday morning, and the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Sam away. They did not see her again, uh, but they went on their way rejoicing. I'm just saying, when you read the Bible, it's full of mystery. Sometimes you want to understand everything. And in my journey, what I've realized is I'm not going to understand everything. Of course, the mystery relates to the Word of God, and you don't, you don't go outside of the boundaries of the Word of God. But there's a lot of mystery in the Bible. I mean, a lot of mystery. Actually, a lot of mystery. A lot of stuff. That you go, oh my word, did that really happen? It wasn't normal. It wasn't your natural, everyday life. Stuff happened in the Bible. It was just full of mystery, full of encounters with Jesus. We're going to play a video now of sound, and it's called the vibrations that travel through air. And I just thought this was so amazing because it captures just a small part of the mystery, you know, of, of who God is, and just relates to when we, when we worship God, when we spend time with Him, which is the tool that God has given us, what sound does. It's in me. I can't have that in because I'm taking. So much uh, okay. in the mystery of, of things that we do in God. And to me, that just encapsulated so beautifully in terms of just how incredible God is. He is amazing. I mean, I say it all the time, and I say it to myself in the mirror when I feel like I'm getting into that mode that God is not boring. I mean, really, he is not boring. He is amazing. And we need to tell everybody we can. God God said to me this week as I was preparing, I spent many, many hours in his presence. It was awesome. I mean, I want to speak on intimacy on a Sunday again. Just for that experience this week of what God took me through. And, you know, every time he takes you deeper, and, um, you know, I'm just kind of pouring out my love with him. And he said to me, do you love me? How much do you love me? Do you love me enough to now take what I've done for you this week? And... And pour out my love to people that you wouldn't normally pour out my love to. I mean, it was a challenge this week. Um, because God does that in his when we spend time with him, when we are intimate with him, what's on his heart starts becoming, it starts, it starts impacting what is on my heart. There's an imprint on what is on my heart. Revelation 4, we see John, um, and he, he's transported in the spirit to heaven. We get to the revelation of heaven and the throne room. And, uh, you know, it's embraced the mystery. What happened after that encounter that John had? And when you look at it, you know, we've got some reference. We've got some reference of the Bible. So when we embrace mystery in other areas, we, we see what God did in the Bible. But when I think of these guys, like when the Holy Spirit came and there was fire, they had never, ever experienced that. Like we, we read it and okay, then there's some mystery there so we can embrace it. They've never had that ever, ever in their whole lives. Um, and they went into an upper room, waited for Holy Spirit, and came in a way that they never expected. Um, when people looked at it, they thought that they were drunk, actually. So it was not a proper, sit down and have a proper, you know. There were, there were crazy things happening. The mystery of God. What he chooses to do, when he chooses to do it, and I've found that when I'm in the intimate place with him, I'm able to embrace the mystery. 
Because you know, I know that it's real. I know that it is real. I know that the things of this world are real, but I know that the things of the kingdom are real. More real. And they become more real to me the more time I spend with Jesus. And when I first started on this journey, I didn't actually know what to do. I was like, okay, we're going to spend time with Jesus now in a more intense way. But I don't want to just do what I normally do. Cause like, so I just I just hang around for as long as it took, actually. So I said, the Lord, I'm not leaving from some of these places until I see and experience in my own heart what I'm reading in your word about who you are. And I'm not going to leave these places because I know that you are God and there's more that you have for me, you know. And um, I know that when I live with you and I'm in an intimate time with you, what is bringing the release out of my life changes lives. Um, in our last three minutes, I'm going to ask May to come forward. Uh, we had an experience last Sunday night. Actually, it wasn't there, but we had a debrief with my team the next, the next evening. Um, and this was just an amazing thing to me about God, that he comes in an environment. And, um, yeah, I want you to start with you saw a wave. Um, so we're in church last Sunday when we were ministering in the heart and um, we got called, we were, we were singing whatever song we were singing, was very beautiful. And for me, that's when like, I started to, you know, I just felt like God was going to do something. Um, I was preoccupied with a whole other things and I just said, Lord, I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss what you're going to do. So we went down and the pastor Bill called us and came to come sing straight for the heart. So we're singing, we're singing, I'm there on my knees and when I saw a wave, I opened my eyes and people were on the floor. Pastor Bill was like, wait, pray for people. And he said, listen, I, I pray for you now. You go and you call other people and pray for them. So people were going in the auditorium, you know, grabbing people and praying for them. And there were different manifestations. And it was just so awesome. We kept going, we kept going, we just kept going. And uh, the pastors kept Pastors came to us and say, just keep on singing. And we're like tired, you know, we're tired. The guys are like strumming their fingers where we were, where we were sore from pain. Like in town, we just stand there, our feet were sore. We just, you know, we just pray. And in my heart, you know, I said, you know, I love you. You know, I love you because I don't think you realize how much I love you. And it dawned on me as well that, you know, the Bible says that, you know, we've been given everything. You know, God has given us every blessing for our enjoyment. And His presence is for our enjoyment as well. You know, and God just says, I had such a, like, such a joy in my heart. And even when I was preparing and thinking about this, I was like, you know, there's fullness of joy. You know, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And God is not done. There's more. There's always been more. Amen. Yeah. So when I saw her on Monday night, I mean, she was shining. She was radiating with Jesus. I could just see what, what God was doing in her heart. And I thought, this is what it's all about. You know, as a testimony after testimony after testimony of people that I love um, just being transformed uh, through through encounters with God, through encounters that, with God that come in a corporate environment, through encounters with God that come in our secret place, but, but it comes with being intimate with, with who God is and, and getting to know Him. So I want to encourage you, the last point in the narrative was contend. Just contend for the more, you know, and be who you are in the, in the contending for the more. And God will come in like a flood and change your heart and change your life. So, number one, it's a journey. Number two, I forgot the number two. The secret place. The secret place. It's the secret place. <laughs> 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 
I'm going to ask you to come up and we will pray for you and we will trust for with, with that thing, just an explosion of His presence into your life. Just, just one of those waves that knocks down walls, that just does things in an instant that you've been trying for years. We're going to believe for those kind of encounters.